You're listening to the iHeartRadio Talk Network, and this is The Evan Solomon Show. Hi, Canada. How's it going? Coast to coast to coast. What a day. Got great stuff on the show today. I'm pumped up. First of all, the big news, the big news, because frustrated travelers, is that Canada will do the right thing finally, finally, late, and drop COVID-19 vaccine mandates. So if you're unvaccinated, you can finally get on a plane or a train. And I hope they drop the unvaccinated people who are unvaccinated can go back to work because it's no longer needed. Now, this seems like they're going to be a victory lap for lots of critics and a sign of surrender by the government. I want to dig into this because we're going to dig into it in a minute. But there's a huge mistake this government's making. And the announcement is set to come today. And I'll tell you what the mistake has been. And this is why governing is hard, but why this government is making a, has made a big mistake. And it's a consequential mistake. And it's robbed victory. Or it's, it's put victory in the jaws of defeat. Or it's put defeat in the jaws of victory. Something like that. It's turned what they could have done, which is win on this issue, on COVID, and turned it into defeat. I guess technically, I should say they snatched the defeat out of the jaws of victory. Um, And that's what they've done. And here's why. We will talk about a new survey from Abacus Data. They've got some great stuff this week, the third in their uh, trust series, that they said 5.6 million Canadians, 19% of those surveyed, said COVID vaccines have killed many people, which has been covered up. 19% of Canadians or 5.6 million people think the COVID vaccine has killed more people, many people. And 25 other percent said, not sure, possible. 3.3 million Canadians, if you extrapolate the 11% in the survey, say COVID vaccines include secret chips designed to monitor and control behavior. 14% of Canadians... Another close to 4 million people think it's possible. And 9% of Canadians surveyed, which would be 2.7 million Canadians, believe that definitely or probably true that COVID was caused by the rollout of 5G wireless technology as electromagnetic frequencies undermined immune systems. This is completely baseless, okay? Baseless. In fact, I'm going to have an epidemiologist on in a minute to talk about this. But then the question is why? You can't blame people for believing something. You have to wonder why are they turning away from science? Why are they turning away from facts? Why are they turning towards these ridiculous theories that have no factual basis? And the answer is when you take civil liberties from people for two years, you force them to stay at home. The government takes extraordinary measures in a pandemic in the name of security. There's always a tension between security and civil liberties. We'll have to take a little of your civil liberties to keep you secure. That's always the trade-off. And then in between that, you have our civil rights, 
and our charter rights and our charter of rights and freedoms that defines where we as individuals can say to the government, no, and we should be hyper vigilant on those lines. Even when you agree with the government, government reaching into the freedoms of individuals is a very, very important issue. And when the government's done that after two years, people locked in their basement, staying on their machines, not talking to each other. Yeah, people are starting to believe in a lot of crazy things. There's a lot of anger, a lot of loneliness, a lot of despair. But here's where the government's making a big mistake today. They are going to today announce that vaccine mandates for domestic travel. So if you're traveling on a train, if you're traveling on a plane, is going to be suspended probably as of today. And CTV News has confirmed that. If you're a foreign national coming to Canada, you'll still need to be vaccinated. So after, since October 30th, 2021, that's been the case, these mandates. And people also lost their jobs. And now the question is that now now it's high time they've left. Why? Because you can go, go to a movie theater or a restaurant or anywhere and the masks are gone. So what the hell are we doing at airports, which are already clogged and slowed and everything's going wrong? Why do you still need to do it? Well, there's no reason. And here's the mistake. Science. The federal government was right originally to say in the midst of a global pandemic, we are going to follow the advice of the science tables. Now, they don't slavishly follow it, but they should work on evidence-based policy, right? I want that. I want to know why you are making these decisions. I want to know the rationale. I don't want these to be random. And they were right to say, in my view, that those who do not trust the science or say that these vaccines are dangerous or full of microchips, they're wrong. There's nothing to justify that. And that's why I have been very rigorous on the conspiracy theory of anti-vaxxers. And I have been on the side of the hospital workers who have worked overtime. Let's not forget about them. Let's not have a case of amnesia and make this a litmus test on, on today when it's a litmus test on two years of a pandemic where plus 40,000 Canadians have died in two years from COVID, where many people are still suffering long COVID effects, where people are still getting COVID, where our hospital workers and our healthcare workers worked overtime to save lives. We're forgetting about all that. As if it's all, get rid of the mandates. They were always bad. They were great. They saved lives. But here's where the government makes a mistake. Now, today, they say, well, they're gone. And Canadians are right to say, why today? Why not last week? Why not the, what was the rationale? What was the benchmark? What was the line? What was the threshold? What is the data? Where are you getting the data that keeping them on till June the 14th was the right date and June the 15th, they're gone. Why? Because if you say we're going to follow the science and then punish those who were not anti-vax by taking their jobs, big step, by saying you can't travel, And by the way, you have to protect the greater good. I had no problem with those measures. Doug Ford did it, and uh, Francois Legault did it, and the federal government did it. 
and and people supported them. Ninety percent of the you know eighty two percent of people, eighty four percent of people have double vax. Ninety have one vax. They wanted to do that. They wanted to save themselves and their families from a deadly, brutal pandemic that has had a massive global impact. But if you're going to live by the science, you've got to die by the science, which means you've got to tell people why you are lifting them now. And what is the scientific? And if you are not following the scientific benchmark, then it looks political. And if it's political, you've undermined your very case. And you will prove the case of the cynics and the doubters and the conspiracy theorists that, hey, this was never about the data. This was never about the science. This was always about the politics. And when it's about the politics, they don't trust you. And when they don't trust you, they start believing in other things, conspiracy theories. And if they don't trust you and they believe in that, what happens when the next pandemic comes? What happens when monkey? comes. What happens when you need people to actually trust the government on something else and you won't have that trust because you burned it? Today is an important day. The government can't just lift these and think it's going to go away. There will be scar tissue, scar tissue. They've got to tell us the science. What was the benchmark? Why today? What's the transparency? Give us some accountability. If you're going to tell us that you're going to live by the data and evidence-based policy, tell us what it is. So we can really understand it, because if this is all about politics, you are handing the very people that have doubted you without data the stick they're going to use to beat you with. Now, I'm going to try to get some data on this. So I'm going to bring on Dr. Isaac Bogosh, an infectious disease expert, to try to dig into the data on why these mandates are finally lifted. Holding the politicians and pundits to account. Now more from The Evan Solomon Show on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. So the federal government finally going to announce today that they're ending the vaccine mandates for domestic travel on planes and trains and probably for international travel for outgoing. About frickin' time. We all know that. It's common sense. Now... I know there's going to be a lot of you out there saying, no, no, the pandemic's still going. We get it. But it's a risk-reward thing. This is a, you've just got to weigh the cost-benefit analysis. And and the cost-benefit is people want to travel. They've done it. They want their freedoms back. They deserve it. They complied with the government regulations, and now they should deserve it. And that's why this screw-up at the airports is so consequential. But the bigger screw-up would be if people are not convinced that the government is lifting these mandates based on science, that if it's a random political issue, that they were slow for political reasons, because that will hand the anti-vaxxers, those that have always hated this, for conspiratorial reasons. And there's a new abacus poll out, and we'll deal with this later, that says literally 19% of people polled or 5.6 million Canadians believe COVID vaccines have killed many people, which has been covered up. It's a lie. It's not true. There's no data on that. 11% say COVID vaccines include secret chips designed to monitor and control behavior. It's not true. It's a crazy lie. But 3.3 million Canadians believe it. And that's why when the government has mandates, they need science. And when they lift mandates, they need science. So what was the threshold? Let's bring on our pal, Dr. Isaac Bogosh, infectious disease expert. First of all, how are you, my old friend? I haven't talked to you for so long. How's the family? How you doing? Yeah, not bad. Everything's good. We're looking forward to summer. Great to chat again. Uh, all is well. Yeah. 
busy at the hospital, but uh, everything's going I'm okay. just gonna I'm gonna bromance out a bit. I miss you, Pud. I'm just, oh yeah, uh, I mean better to it's you know it's always a good day when we don't have to talk about COVID or monkeypox or anything like that. Right. Nice to chat. Always lovely to yeah. chat, but you know it usually means something. Yeah, bad. yeah. But I know. you know what? This is for the better. This is a. This is a step in the right direction. But so what's the data here? Like a lot of people have said yeah. they're way behind on this. They should have done it. Why June 14th, not June 10th, not May 31st, not June 20th? What is the science behind lifting? What was the threshold here? I think people have the right to know. Right. So obviously there's science, there's policy, there's uh, medicine, there's public health, and then you sprinkle in a little politics. So just from a purely science standpoint, we know that two doses of a vaccine is really helpful in protecting against people from getting severely ill and landing in the hospital and dying. Three doses is better than two, but two still does a lot of good. But with the Omicron variant, which we've had for a while now, it started taking off in around December, it's been pretty clear that two doses of a vaccine which is what the policy is. It's pretty clear that two doses of the vaccine does not protect very well against people getting infected with the virus or transmitting the virus to others. Yes, it's still very helpful against severe infection, hospitalization, and death, but I mean, it just doesn't do a, a whole lot to protect against infection and onward transmission. So these policies that say you need two doses of a vaccine, uh, and you know, you sorry, let me rewind. You take a step back and say, well, what's the goal? What's the purpose of the policy? If the policy is to create a safer indoor space to prevent people from getting infected and transmitting the virus in that indoor space, two doses of the vaccine doesn't cut it. You either modify the policy or you scrap it, and they decided to scrap it. Okay, but but the question is, were they late? Like, could they have scrapped it a month ago? Yeah, I mean, this knowledge was around a month right. ago. Right, so why didn't it, they it do it? That's was. what I'm trying to figure out. They could have done it a oh. month ago. Like, if they say, hey, people, we are following the science— Please trust us. Like, that's important to follow science to get people to do it, isn't it? If the science said, look, a month ago, it was just to save, you know, I, well, is it politics or is it science? Knows, you and I and everyone else knows that there's more to it that goes in, more than science that goes into this, right? I'm sure there's multiple layers and, and other, you know, other factors that go into this as well. And uh, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on all those layers, but from a science and medicine and public health standpoint, We've known that, you know, two doses, again, protects against severe infection, protects against hospitalization and death. Three is better than two on that front, especially for older cohorts. But it doesn't doesn't do a whole lot to protect against infection and onward transmission. Okay, so but we've had two doses for a long time. Yeah. So. So, okay. so when you when people say, well, why did someone say, Doc, I don't understand this. Why did Canada wait so long to keep these mandates in? Do you say, well, it was just prudent, or do you say, you know what, the data shows they probably could have lifted these earlier? I think they could have lifted it earlier. I I do. I mean, listen, there's people, like, if we just want to take out our, you know, political or partisan biases, which is hard to do, you know, if the question is, can we create a safer indoor space by ensuring people have had two doses of a vaccine, the answer was yes, you can earlier on in the pandemic with other variants. It's certainly with the original virus and with the alpha variant, a little bit to a lesser extent with the Delta variant, but it still held up to some extent with Delta. But with Omicron, which we started seeing in Canada, you know, it really started to take off in December of 2021. Uh, with Omicron, 
two doses of a vaccine. Again, helpful for severe infection, hospitalization, and death, not nearly as helpful for creating safer indoor spaces in terms of protecting against COVID-19 infection and transmission. Not nearly as effective uh, compared to other prior variants. Speaking, and, yeah, go and, ahead. Uh, and policy has to keep up. Like you said, you want public trust, you want public buy-in with public health measures, you got to keep up with the science. I do believe that. I, I'm speaking to Dr. Isaac Bogosh. One of the things I think you've done extremely well, brilliantly, I think, in the last two years, has been communicating openly and, and, and honestly about this stuff. You're an epidemiologist. This is what you do. But there's a, right. there's a poll out today, Abacus Data, that says 19% of Canadians, which would be the equivalent of 5.6 million adults, believe COVID vaccines have killed many more people, and that's been covered up. 25% of Canadians believe it's possible or aren't sure. Uh, 11% or the equivalent of 3.3 million people think COVID vaccines include secret chips designed to monitor and control behavior. And 9% or 2.7 million people believe COVID was caused by the rollout of 5G wireless technology and electromagnetic frequencies undermining the immune system. I mean, this is bonker stuff. Um, first, but don't listen to me. I want, first of all, is all of that stuff completely bonkers or is there something to it? I'm asking an epidemiologist. And what does it tell you that after all the communication, these numbers still exist? So, yeah, two points. One is, yeah, of course, there's, it's just factually incorrect. The second point, though, is I think the most important in that, on you know, Sometimes, not everyone, but sometimes our knee-jerk reaction is to snicker at that and roll our eyes. But it's a serious problem, and it just goes to show you that we're not going to win the communication war and the information war by having conversations like this where we can talk about science and facts. There is a well-funded, well-coordinated disinformation machine and campaign, and, and this is the result of it. And, of course, we're talking about the pandemic and the vaccines, but of course it extends well beyond that. And we have a major problem on our hands. I hope there's federal and international coordination to... But what to do you as this. a medical doctor, when you see people are believing this stuff, don't you and your yeah. colleagues have to talk to leaders and say, we got to figure this out. If another pandemic hits, yeah, millions of Canadians are just going to say nothing. Yeah. What about even this pandemic? Like there's going to be a time and place where you could probably save a lot of lives with maybe there's an updated booster vaccine that's, you know, safe, effective, long lasting. And, and you have, you know, a smaller percentage of people take it up resulting because people believe this disinformation. I mean, this, it's a huge problem. It's a yeah. huge problem. And, you know, we keep hearing a lot of talk. Oh, you know, the, the social media will have to do a better job and whatnot but like where's where's the action where's the result of this like it's yeah this is it's it's awful it's awful and then yeah we'll talk to patients one-on-one -on -one and hopefully bring people back down to earth with with some of this but you know let's look upstream at the at the at the source and, and deal with deal with the problem at the source uh dr isaac bogosh it's a big deal by the way we've just uh, we've got some breaking news that public servants are going to be included in the upcoming mandate oh good uh, Doc, you're great. Uh, I'm going to take calls on this about airport talk. There's our breaking news thing. Yeah, federal federal servants, if you've lost your job because of this, the mandate is lifted. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to talk more about this, and I'm going to take your calls. Stay with us.
strong views, powerful opinions. The Evan Solomon Show continues on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. So mandates are lifted, and we just found out mandates are lifted for travelers, domestic travelers, international travelers, and civil servants. So if you you don't need a mandate, you don't need a vaccine, you're going to go back to work now. So all those public servants that were suspended without uh, pay, they're back. Federal government. That announcement's coming today. So that's interesting. It's interesting that Isaac Bogosh, the said they could have done this earlier. He's an epidemiologist. And you know me, I, I, you got to follow the science. If you ask people and tell people we're going to follow the advice of science, then follow it. Now I'm asking you, all of you, at 1-855-633-1010 and 71010, what you think of this. Is it about time? Is it too late? Are you concerned? I'm getting lots of texts. Uh, Evan, this is our first go through this virus and pandemic. I can't understand why everyone's expecting a flawless performance at various levels of government. Errors will be made and hopefully learned from, says Alan. There's no doubt, though, Evan, this is strictly political. It's the liberal MO. They only ever do anything in reaction to public outcry or opposition pressure. I, for one, am sick and tired of their political science. There's politics and everything. I get it. But I think they're making a major error unless they tell people exactly why they are doing this. Uh, Sonny in Brampton. I think you've been on the show before. Yes. How you doing, Sonny? What's up? Not bad. Uh, I just can't believe Ellen is correct. Let me just say that text. Ellen is spot on. Because why would we give credence to the squeaky wheels that are complain- the complainers? And even to your question, why would we give- you give credence to an explanation? Have we survived it after so many people have been killed? And then, to crown it all, I didn't hear you complain that Doug Ford didn't uh, ex- or, or so explain himself why he really, uh, uh, removed the mandate. So I just can't seem to understand why do we need a 100% answer when we are just at the end of this. I wouldn't even say at the end of it. We're still experiencing because I got COVID about a month ago and I had been triple vaxxed. So w- what is the reason that you would want to have an explanation? Why do when I want Dr. an explanation? I'll tell you why, Sonny. Here's why. Because it's a democracy, and they're elected officials, and they're taking away, when they're making rules about us, I expect transparency, and I always expect an explanation. I'm not here to be anybody's servant. They serve us. We don't serve them. They make laws, but when they're taking away civil liberties or making restrictions, they have an obligation to explain it. And this is not a political thing. It is a good thing. And by the way, it's also a good thing for politicians to listen to people. This is a democracy. When people are mad, when people are frustrated, they should listen to us. It is a combination of science and politics. I don't think it's a bad thing that we're complaining, and we should have high demands of politicians. Sonny, I think you should too. No, it's not that I don't have. I just pointed out to you now about when was the election? About two weeks ago. You didn't ask that same question of Doug Ford. Sure. Why is he lifting the mandate? Of course we are. We, we, okay, well, Sonny, Sonny, I appreciate the call. Just for the record, uh, we did. And and people asked Doug Ford if it was all political and if it was all about the election. He got questions, too. Let's not let let's be fair here. I mean, I, I realize everybody wants every program to be a to reinforce their partisan 
bias. But we asked Doug Ford, hey, are you only lifting these because of an election? Because you know it's unpopular. Are you doing it based on the science table or are you doing it based on your political thing? He got those questions just as Justin Trudeau's getting them. What's good for the goose ought to be good, good for the gander. And I, by the way, Sonny and I agree on that. If you ask him or Trudeau, you would ask him a Ford or Legault or anybody. Paul in Bala. Oh, Bala. I wish I was in Bala. How you doing, Paul? Good. Um, actually, you brought up some good points there, and I have some good points to go against some of this stuff. Go for but it. The media has been accused in Ottawa of every time they ask Trudeau a question, he uh, basically gets a T-ball um, uh, uh, T-ball questions, whereas conservatives always seem to get the hardball answers, and that's been going on since Trudeau came to power. But the one thing that well, I want sorry, to... Well, I'm sorry, like, 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 I'm just sorry. I, I'm... <laughs> I don't know why that conservative really was. Let me ask you, was SNC-Lavalin a hard question? Did we get hard questions yesterday of Marco Mendicino if he misled Parliament on the Emergencies Act? Like, did he get questions? Trudeau, Trudeau in generally gets very, gets easy uh, questions. It's like he knows the answer and he never answered. No one holds him to account. The same that they do on Ford or conservatives. But I want to get to the one point you brought up is I finally get to fly, uh, which is good because my family hasn't seen my mom and dad who live in British Columbia because we're not vaccinated, because we just did not want to do it. We didn't believe in the science 100 percent. Um, and that was our belief. And then the second thing you brought up is, and this is why the, the 20% don't believe in uh, the death rate and stuff like that. Toronto Sun in 2021 asked the question to the, the Minister of Health for Ontario and said, why is it that we're hearing that people that died of COVID specifically that died from a fall had COVID in them, but that did not right. kill them. Okay, I, 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 I get the stat. I, I know this has died asked. with COVID. It was or, asked, but I they know. received more money the hospital did, and that was the catch, and that, was all, that has always been the case. But the Toronto Sun asked the question. No mainstream media asked that question ever. Okay, okay. I appreciate the call. We ask that question all the time. Like, listen, uh, understanding that, this idea that mainstream media doesn't ask or that you're the, the conservatives are the victims, let me just do away with that. We, did we ask the questions and was there multiple? Please just use Google. It's a great search engine. You can look up the number of stories about the report. Did I, you die from COVID or with COVID? And this has been a, been a big thing. We know there are 40,000 Canadians who died from COVID. Now, I know a lot of people who didn't like the vaccine will say, is it with COVID or why did they die? I heard that a million times. We have covered that story. And if new data comes out that shows some counts were slightly off because that person died of a fall versus. But look, this is not to undermine how many people in Canada and around the world died of COVID. It was a pandemic. That is what you're talking about is 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 statistical anomalies and some miscounts that we have covered extensively. I just don't buy it, and I appreciate the call, that that somehow makes up any material or consequential numbers. I just don't think it does, Paul. I appreciate that, though. Now I'm glad you're back to flying. You've made a choice. It was a consequential choice, and I hope you stay healthy, okay? But that stuff about the, 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 the miscount, mainstream media covers that. Like, we're talking about it every day. Just not when we may not agree with each other because I don't think that you're factually correct. I don't, but it doesn't mean we're afraid to cover it. And 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 I'm trying to follow the facts here. I'm not trying to. I don't, I don't have any skin in the game here. Alex in Niagara, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Evan. 
Awesome. What's up? So I'm 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 super happy that the uh, that the mandates have been lifted. Uh, I think that the to Sunny's point and question about why asking is because of the inconsistencies and and ultimately when Omicron uh, variant or the UK and the Brazilian variant were 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 out there and were coming, the government came out and cancelled flights to Mexico because we all know the dreaded taco variant was making everyone very hungry. As late as February and March, they were petitioning airlines again to cancel flights to Mexico. And when pressed, they said that they weren't impressed with the government's reactions to um, to mask mandates and, and, and countermeasures. Meanwhile, DeSantis is doing interviews, literally instructing the people behind him to dispose of the of the theater and remove their masks as he's sticking his finger in the air, middle finger up in the air, and, right. and telling people that this is ridiculous. And they didn't impose mandates or cancel flights to Florida. So the inconsistency in my mind right. gets to I, a point where you cover, you kind of cover your ears and, and stick your middle finger out and, and start saying la, 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 la. Yeah, so I just got 30 seconds here, and I want to just quickly respond, because you're making a great point. And that's my, that was my opening monologue. The inconsistent, look, you got to follow the facts and the science. And I know that stuff's difficult and it's not, it's not a math problem. There's an artfulness to all this. But if they don't do it and if they're inconsistent and if they're hypocritical, it does create distrust and corrosion. I totally agree with that. And that's why radical transparency is needed. Radical transparency. Now, I'm going to take a break. But the big consequence is what's still happening at hospitals. And I'm gonna, you're going to meet a mother next that will blow your mind. Bringing the story to life. It's Evan Solomon on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. So we've talked a lot about delays at airports. Delays at passport lines. First of all, it's pathetic. It's inexcusable. And again, if you're the government, you've got to get this stuff done. People have had enough. They're frustrated. It's the summer. They want to get on with their lives and just want to travel. They want to exercise what it means to live in a democracy. And now you don't want to think, oh, wow, I, I did everything right. I got my vaccine. I stayed in order. I've kept my business afloat. Now I want to reward my family and see some of my family members. I want to travel. I can't get a passport. It's like the Soviet Union. It's more than inconvenient. It's an insult. And, and I've spoken to the ministers about it. And, and I've spoken to the representatives of the government who said, well, we're not the only airport. We're not the only ones. And, and I said, you know, other people suck as well is not a defense. Canadians expect excellence, not we suck as bad as others. This is not a defense. Medi- defending mediocrity by finding other mediocre or sucky places is a poor way to run a country. But if you think that the situation at airports or passport offices is bad, Wait times are growing in hospitals, especially at children's hospitals. If you look at CHEO in the nation's capital or sick kids in Toronto, there are people who are waiting hours. And, and don't take my word for it. Talk to Esther Adelaide. She's a mom. In May, she spent 10 hours waiting in the Queensway Carleton Hospital in Ottawa for a doctor to see her six-month-old. 
and her six-month-old had a fever of 40 degrees. And Esther joins me now. Hi, Esther. Hi. How's it going, Evan? Well, I, I, listen, I'm a parent, too. And when your kid is sick, it is a... There's nothing worse, is it? When it's your, your child is sick enough to go to the hospital with, you're in a state of anxiety and you, you expect to be seen. What happened with you? And, and first of all, can you, can you tell us your, your baby's name? Okay, her name is Anai. What's your name? Anai. Anai. Oh, my God. E-N-A-I. Okay, okay yeah. beautiful name, Esther. Tell us about what happened with you and Anai. Yeah, so it was uh, the uh, night where the storm hit and the lights went out. So we... we Thought it couldn't get any worse. Uh, the night off, uh, our power was out. Uh, our baby had uh, was just running a very high temperature. She was struggling to breathe. We were finding it difficult to wake her up. So we called 911. An ambulance came, had her stabilized, and we went to Chiwot first. So we were there for about uh, two hours. I, I I was there with, with her for two hours, so two to three hours. We saw... Um, the wait time, people were laying on benches, so I was like, okay, maybe they were just tired. But apparently there was no doctor to see them. Um, well, baby's exposed. I have a mask. She's not, I'm immunized. I'm vaccinated. She's not vaccinated. Right. And everyone, you know, coughing. Everyone seemed to have a bug, so I was terrified and I fled. I, 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 she, I, they had you just left. I, I, I left after a couple of hours. I was worried because there was a mom right beside us, really coughing. She had her mask down. She was, you know, I was just worried. So I had given her Tylenol. I was like, okay, let me wait till, you know, an hour or two and come back. So we did that. We, we went back in. We stayed for about five hours. Finally, we saw a doctor. Um, says, go home, give her Tylenol, Advil. The next day, it was the same thing. So we said to go to QCH, which is closer to us, because we have an 11-year-old. We were just concerned, you know, if we have to come back to the house to get something that's closer to QCH. Right. So we went to QCH, got there. About the next day, um, light, light was still, power was still out at home. Um, we had to get, um, we, we got there 2 p.m., uh, a little after 2 p.m., I, QCH, we're charged. Queensway Carlton Hospital. Queensway Carlton, yes. Um, she was she was running fever, so I had to. They call it tepid sponging. As a, a parent, you know that with a fever, you, you have a cold rag and you're like wiping her down. So just sure. trying to cool her down. So we um, did the um, triage and triage, and they said she was uh, uh, waiting line. You know. I asked for Tylenol. They gave it to her. We went out. I was. She was already. You know. She was. She was awesome. She. She normally is not a fussy baby at all. You know. So we're there. Um, uh, four hours. Five hours. I went, five went hours. Back. You're there. You're there. Five uh, hours. Five hours. Went back to the nursing station. Got another shot of Tylenol for her. Came back. You know. Her temperature. I couldn't put her down at some point because I couldn't put her down. It was just no. Two parents were allowed in. I was carrying her a 16-pound baby for that those number of hours, and then she began to cry and fuss for hours. You know, I, I it was a, a, the it was close to 10 p.m. So when, why did they? Why did it take so long? Why did they I, give you any explanation? It, yo, so it was. We we're told the normal wait time was eight hours, is what we we're told. 
The normal okay. wait time is eight hours, Esther. Yes, that's what we told them. So I was like, okay, if you know this, then maybe not everyone has to sit in the waiting you know, room and wait. You could maybe give us a token and ask us to come back up. Because uh, you know, I was concerned she was exposed. I was wearing a Well, that's the I thing. Thought, it's like when there are restaurants that they say, okay, here's your buzzer. We'll call you or, <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. have to come in. We've, you know, unless it's a, a true emergency. Yeah. They're like, you know, your baby's going to wait eight hours here. Go home, put a hot oh. cloth or put a cold cloth on her and bring her back in seven hours and you'll be here within an hour. I agree with you. Yeah, so that will, because when, once that is happening... Also, it's, it's cheaper because you don't have to pay for parking, by, which right, is consequential. Right, right, exactly. And then, like uh, I was saying to to one of the very nice nurses I met, a lady nurse, I said, you know what, it, it's, we see all you guys are doing. I can't even imagine imagine being in your shoes. Uh, you know, this, you see us in here. It, it's, I hope my, my son is in the, all this while my son is in the parking lot with my husband because he's on age, he can't stay home. You know, so he's there, um, 10 p.m., we, we get in, I, I go to ask, and then a, a nurse was, uh, one other nurse tells my tells us there's nothing special about it. I wasn't even speaking to him, so I go to another nurse to ask, okay, it's been eight, nine hours. We're in the waiting room now. After I complained, we, we finally made it to the examination room. We're there for close to an hour on scene. So I go to the nursing station to ask and say, you know, to say, we've been here. Do, just wanted to confirm that they know we're waiting. My baby this time was all red in the nose. She was just crying and red in the face. She was crying. This what she was puking. And he, right. uh, the, the, another nurse who I wasn't even talking to, goes, says to me, there's nothing special about me and my baby waiting those number of hours. A lot of people wait, so, so- what he said to me. I, I, yeah, a lot of people ask, so I'm just running out of time here. Here, and, and your situation, I just want you to know, this is happening all over the place. People are waiting yeah. and waiting. And, yeah. and, and and people are just saying, look, I work too hard for this. Right. I, and, and I'm not blaming the nurses and doctors. You, right. I, I, Esther, you're the, you're right to say, those nurses are working their backs off. Mm-hmm. And, and Esther Adelaide, I really appreciate it. First of all, I'm glad your, your, your daughter's okay now. But mm-hmm. Esther's story is a story reflected in hospitals around the world, around the country. And what we've got to do now is we've got to stop the partisanship and just say, there's a thousand esters out there. There's a thousand kids that are waiting. Uh, This is what we're paying for. We need to get our systems Mm -hmm. back online. Esther, thank you. Uh, I've got to take a short break, but but I'll tell you what's happening. You think there's money to pay for this? Are we about to hit a, a recession? Wait till you hear this. You're listening to the iHeartRadio Talk Network, and this is The Evan Solomon Show. Well, if you want some cruddy news, just look at the stock market. Did you invest in crypto? Was Bitcoin really a hedge against inflation, as Mr. Polyevry said? No. Crypto's bottoming out. I mean, it has been a Horrific few days in the tech industry. There's layoffs coming. Celsius Network stopped transactions and is holding $11 billion in U.S. assets. It's a bloodbath out there. So does this mean, with interest rates up, people worried that they won't be able to pay for their homes, and we talked about that on the show yesterday, that there is a recession looming? And what's happening in the tech world? What's happening in crypto? Amanda Lang, host of BNN Bloomberg's Taking Stock and 
among other things, joins me now. Why? Because we need to understand some damn things. How's it going, my friend? Uh, it's going all right. It's going all right. It's a bloodbath out there, isn't it? There's a recession coming. What? Don't ask me that. But it, I, I can tell you, you know, like, you know, when it's, it's kind of like when you you're go. Like, That's why you're here. Well, no, but it's like, you know what they say when you want to buy a new house and people like bake cookies or bake bread and it makes people yes. feel like buying. And then sometimes you like, then something's like, I think I smell burnt toast or something worse. It's like, let's get out of here. That's what it smells like economically right now. Well, so let's actually like think that through for a second because uh, there are two different – it's almost like there's two different levels or realities that it's happening. And the stock market and crypto, we can put all of that on one level. And for sure, they are correcting. And we might even, Evan, have to throw parts of the housing market into that one too. This is a category of stuff that got overheated, and it got overheated because of decades, not just the post-pandemic, but even before that, low interest rates fueling those asset prices. We know that, right? Stocks took off, houses took off because borrowing was so cheap. All of that, yet looking a little shaky and looking to correct. And the more risky the market, the more likely it's doing that. Crypto falls into that category. Level two, or, or swap them because it's the more important level, is your job safe? Is unemployment low? Are companies still making money? Are balance sheets still good? Not just companies' balance sheets, but yours. Do you still have excess savings? And the answer on all of those fronts, yes. So is the economy good or not? Well, the answer is, you know, we don't know. Uh, The truth is the so-called real economy still looks pretty healthy. Now, in the face of that, you've got the central bank that has to tackle inflation. They are going to raise rates. Where we get into trouble is where some of the stuff in level one, whether it's stocks, but most likely houses, actually trickles down to level two. Are there enough people who have too big a house, too big a mortgage, living on the edge, not enough savings, that that actually kind of collapses down into the so-called real economy? It could happen. And that's what we're hearing more and more. Economists are saying, watch that. It's, and even the central bank said last week, they're worried about those households. I'm just going to cling to... If you want a job, you can go get one. And you've got good negotiating power right now because we have a record level of unfilled Uh, positions. Okay, but we also see layoffs in the tech sector. Yep, you bet, because that's a lot of the layoffs you're seeing feed into level one. So the metaverse, we're going to back burner that thing. If we ever thought it was real and we ever had to care about it, we're going to say maybe later, folks. Crypto, yeah, that was fun. Did you have fun? I had fun. It's not real yet. So push it on the back burner. People are are getting laid off related to those industries. Real industries, if you're a plumber, you're still working. Doctors, very much in demand. Uh, Knowledge workers, still in demand. I mean, we still have construction workers in demand. There's a short, there's, you're right, super tight labor market. And I understand that. But what people are saying, but but wait a second, Amanda, I hear there's a bear market. We're about to be. In a, uh, a recession, a bear market means the markets have fallen 20% from their previous high, so things are going to suck, and I'm losing my savings, and I invested. Things are getting bad. What, how do you read that? So what I would say to everybody is keep it in the micro. So at the macro level, we have to aggregate all the number, and we have to say, yes, this is how it looks. You know, Average Canadian real estate prices are doing this. They're falling. They peaked in February. I keep saying this, but all that matters is you. It's, it's, it's never more true than with your finances. Look at what matters to you. Your home pr- value on paper may have just fallen. Does that matter to you? Well, 
it might not. And if it doesn't, then don't worry about it. And it's really important not to worry about it because it may rise on paper and matter equally little. If you're in your house and you're not selling it and it's fine, if you're not borrowing against it, I'm just saying keep focused on the real stuff. Do you have a job? Is your job safe? Are you likely to you know, have more work or less in the future? Are your costs going up? Yes, they are. That we do know. Inflation is real. And that's one of the things that's actually trickling between these two worlds, right? The first, all of the frenzy in that first category caused inflation. We had a bunch of pandemic-related issues that caused inflation. And that does start to get real for people. But I go back to, we did save, Canadians saved $300 billion in the pandemic. Uh, so I'm not saying there's not a risk of recession. We know there there is. Economists are worried about it. But will it be one of those technical recessions that you don't really feel? Maybe what on the news and you see it go right. by, but you still have a job and you know, you're still I doing agree your with thing. That. Now, now tell me something back in March, uh, Mr. Polly ever was saying, Hey, crypto investors, uh, this is a good thing to do. Um, you should, uh, you know, you should invest in it. It's a hedge against inflation. What's going, can you explain why the, I see headlines like the day crypto died that, <laughs> and, and someone has said, these are these are things you hear in the market, folks. Like, don't buy the dip. The buy the dip means when you're trading, you're oh, this has got to be the dip. It's the low. I'm gonna now jump into the market, and then the floor falls again. It's like that's not the dip. That's not the dip. Uh, even even people are saying, you know, bitcoins at twenty two thousand dollars. Don't buy the dip. It's gonna go lower. What's going on with crypto? Well, so we, you and I keep having this conversation and I'll say the same thing. It, you know, I didn't think crypto was worth, I don't think crypto's worth $10. So I don't think it's worth 22 and I don't think it's worth 40. I don't know how to value crypto because so far it, these, these digital currencies and that's Bitcoin's in a class by itself. We have to keep saying that it is in a class by itself. It doesn't have a broad usage. One day you and I might use Ethereum or one of the other tokens because the Bank of Canada decides it's the one, the U.S. Central Bank decides it's the one, and it becomes mass used, and they can do that. Bitcoin can never be that. It's too weird. It's too small. It's too everything. So Bitcoin is in a category of its own, but regardless, all the cryptos, you can't really value them because so far they're only worth what the next person's willing to pay, and when that's the only thing that drives the value of something. Right. They're, 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 they're an asset that people can trade disguised as a currency, right? Like that, That's basically how I see it. That's right. They call it a currency, but it's really an it's asset. It's goes, uh, Yeah, it's a baseball card. Exactly right. Yeah. So, so but like but but is crypto... Forward, but there's no, there's no way to say what it's worth. How do you know what it's worth? So, so... Why? A lot of people got in and they're, a lot of people are losing a heck of a lot of money on that, eh? Tulip bulbs. Tulip bulbs. It happens. These manias happen and people, they ride them up. They get very excited. Other people make money. They make real money. If you get out in time, good for you. The problem is if you don't know how it's valued or why, it's not a good thing to do. I yeah. mean, maybe if, if you invested in 2017 or 18, you're still up. You're like, well, I bought it at $5,000. You're still making my money. Advice would be, my advice would be not to be greedy and get your money out. But that's just me. If you, you know, if you were in early and you made a ton, get back in later if it's okay. real to you. I'm speaking to a man like, uh, but people are, it's, it's the summer. Gas prices are up. Inflation's up. Uh, markets are down. Um, is the R word, are we are we heading into stagflation? I know we just have a minute. Is it stagflation slash recession time here? Or is that what we should be? I know I'm not asking you to predict. I'm asking you to think, get no, ready. I mean, I mean, I think, yeah, technically we might, right? Because we know inflation is with us for a while and we might see two quarters of negative economic growth. That right. is stagflation. I'll go back to if you have a job and it's safe and your income isn't falling too much and you can handle the inflation, 
you're okay. Look the other way. Enjoy your summer. Right. If I, I, I would have said, you know what? We've hit an iceberg. I don't know if it's the iceberg, but I would, I would locate your life jacket and just be prudent. Still go on with your day. Maybe but it's if, Hans Island. Yeah. Well, I'm so... A good news story. Good news story. Uh, yes. The flag war between Canada <laughs> and Greenland. I, I like to think of it as the whiskey war. The whiskey war. Yeah. On a tiny little island has been solved today. There's an announcement today. Amanda Lang from Hans Island to recessions and crypto. Like, what can't you do? Uh, I hope you're well. Miss you. I hope your fam's well. And thanks for Same coming on. Same to you. Okay. Talk soon. Amanda Lang. Smart. Great. Funny. Um. You think you drive a long way for gas? This next story is about people who have to make a 100-kilometer round trip just to get gas in Newfoundland, like in Labrador. Wait till you hear this story. It's crazy. Time in your car doesn't have to be time wasted. Join the evolution of talk radio. This is the Evan Solomon Show on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Time in your car is expensive right now. I was uh, driving to Toronto, uh, back from Toronto the other uh, day on the weekend with my wife, and gas was frighteningly expensive. You just feel like it's double what it was a year and a bit ago, and and it just is an awful feeling, and and you just feel your 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 wallet draining away. But if you live in Mary's Harbor, where the last gas station closed in March 2021, the nearest gas station is a hundred kilometers away. And Lana Rumble is the Mary Harbor's town council councilor. And she joins us now. First of all, Lana, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Gosh. How much, let's get to how much gas costs there in Labrador right now on the southeast coast. $2.43 liter. Holy Mackinac. Is there a dirtier word for holy Mackinac that we can't say on radio? Let's just think it together. That's exactly. nuts. That's <laughs> nuts. What did, mm-hmm. like like if I called you two years ago and and I, I I bet it's a little more expensive there anyway but 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 what would it have been? Uh, roughly dollar fifty three. Holy mackinac! So you're you're driving your truck. What does it cost to fill up like a pickup? Uh, I drive a jeep um, jeep and that costs me anywhere from one hundred and seventy to two hundred dollars to fill up. Which is basically like okay, we're eating bread and crackers from now on. And now, when did the local, I, I just want people to know where you are, where, when did the, like you, I guess you had a, 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 a gas station in Mary's Harbor Lodge Bay around there, right? Yes. And as you said, March 2021, the, the local one here in the community of Mary's Harbor, uh, the gas bar closed down um, in March. And then in June, Mona's Place, which is in Lodge Bay, about seven kilometers away, closed. And she did sell once a week, sell gas until her stock ran out, which probably ended around November, December sometime. So we've been driving uh, 50 kilometers one way for gas since then. 
You have to drive 50 kilometers to gas. You go up the coast, basically, to Port Hope Simpson, and then you mm-hmm. got to go at 50 back. Exactly. 100 actually, kilometers just Actually, to it fuel. looks like I, from Lodge Bay, it's 61 kilometers. That's not nothing. So what is it? So then you fill up for 240 a liter, mm-hmm. and then you burn it on the way back. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. So, so how, why did these things close? Like, this seems to be like an emergency situation. Why are two gas stations in Lodge Bay and Mary's Harbor, why did they close? Well, we have an aging population, as uh, you can imagine, as most places in Newfoundland does. Um, Paul um, was a local area guy. He was in his 80s when he retired, and that was March of 2021. And the other one from Lodge Bay retired in June, so he... Uh, was uh, late 60s, early 70s. So he, I mean, he was well up in age as well, and no family uh, around to take over the business. Um, we do have, uh, we've lost our hotel here in Mary's Harbor, so there's not a business there that could uh, operate one. There is a local community uh, store here that carries a little bit of everything from Liquor Express to dry goods and groceries. He has uh, looked into and got everything approved to set up uh, a gas bar there, but unfortunately he don't have enough workers to support adding on to his business at the moment. So uh, so how uh, many people live in Mary's Harbor right now? Uh, we have roughly about 375 in the area from both Mary's Harbor and Lodge Bay. And, and, and together you can't, nobody's, there's not a person there that can open a gas, uh, like just a gas station. So how, what's the impact financial? I want people to know how remote this is. Like, folks, imagine uh, Newfoundland, the island of Newfoundland, go right to the tip. So right to the tip, the Gulf of St. Lawrence goes out, and then, then cross the bay there to the tip of Labrador. So you're like right in the Labrador Sea, quite far north. That's where you are, right? Yeah, we're uh, southeast coast, so we're just north of uh, the straits where you you land in Quebec and you come up the straits of Quebec and you come up to Labrador on just off the ferry. And we travel um, two and a half, three hours, so you're looking at about 300 kilometers up north on the high, Labrador Highway. So we're, that's roundabout where we are. <laughs> We actually have a historic site here uh, just out from us called Battle Harbor. It's a national historic site that uh, is tourism, brings a lot of tourists to the area. Unfortunately, when they come into the town, they are looking for gas to leave again and to go on, continue on with their travels, and they have to go further north, another 50 kilometers north in order to get gas. So not only is it inconvenient for us, it's inconvenient for our travelers or uh, the tourism industry as well. So it's an impact on the community for sure. So now what are you going to do? Well, uh, the town council is uh, very eager to discuss with anybody who's willing to set up a business in the community or a a business that is already established in the community uh, to try to help them in some way to um, bring on the gas and add gas to their business or open up a gas bar with, um, of course, gas is only 10 cents a liter, so you need to add it to another business, so a convenience store or a snack bar or something like that, um, a hotel, adding it to another business would be more economically Mm. satisfying for sure. 
um, council would be willing to open up um, to set it up for the convenience of our community members. However, uh, legal and, and insurance and municipal affairs would need to uh, give us approval for that. Um, and being with Ten Cents Leader, we'd be um, only run on a deficit, really. We wouldn't be gaining anything. We'd have to hire at least three people. Uh, then we'd have a, to attach it to establishment or a business or a building already. So it's uh, it's very inconvenient for the council itself to set it up. Um, it would be more wiser and more economical if it was a, another business took it over for sure. Oh, my God. And in the meantime, this is a ways away then. You're stuck driving. Yep. We're stuck driving. Uh, we do have an aging population, as I said, so we got uh, seniors here in the community that would probably not go so far as uh, 50 kilometers. They would only go between Mary's Harbor and Lodge Bay normally to travel and drive, but now they get to drive 50 kilometers um, to to get any gas at all. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have um, a wealthy population either, so we've got people in the community that would normally just put $20 every now and again in the car, and unfortunately now they're, got to, they're almost burning the amount that they would purchase right. anyway. So um, you kind of got to debate what you're going to um, purchase, if you're going to purchase groceries or if you're going to go and fuel up oh your vehicle. Mm-hmm. This is the world, Lana Rumble, Mary Harbor uh, Town Councilor. Well, you know, one of these things where this is Canada, and the fact that there are communities, and I, I get the isolation in Newfoundland, Labrador. I've been there uh, in your beautiful province, but and, and, and there's population issues. But this seems almost like a necessity of life, and, oh. and you know, you just you, these are these should be deemed essentials. You can't make people drive a hundred kilometers for gas. You just can't. Uh, no, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, we do have the boating season here, and for small boats to operate, they use gas instead of diesel, and they got to travel to get uh, gas to put in the small boats, right. uh, the smaller open boats, for example, and the food fishery and things like that. A lot of people rely on that for a lot of their winter uh, winter food. Mm. So, um, and. To travel to get the fuel is is, is unreasonable, really. It's unreasonable, and, and and I think it's dangerous. And someone's, it is. Um, Len, I, I I'm hitting a break here. Lana Rumble from Mary's Harbor. Um, first of all, great to connect. Um, we hope this is resolved soon. And in the meantime, my gosh, um, maybe the gas price will fall. There's so much oil and gas around Newfoundland, and Labrador. You think someone would help out? Thanks, Len. I really appreciate your conversation. Thank you for your time. Coming up, we go to Ohio. They're calling for Canada to be put on the Freedom Watch list? What? We'll have an Ohio rep coming up next. Where you meet the people behind the story. It's the Evan Solomon Show on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Who knew politicians in Ohio were so concerned about communist-controlled Canada? What? Republicans there co-sponsored a resolution. And they're saying, look, man, we are concerned that Canada is so controlling that we are going to put it on the religious freedom watch list. What? Canada on a religious freedom watch list? 
like Azerbaijan and Cuba? Why? Well, apparently Republicans there say they're so they're severe violations of religious liberties, even though literally right now the breaking news right now is mandates are being lifted. But in Ohio, they're standing for religious freedom. Quote. Representative Reggie Stoltzfus said what we're seeing in Canada is similar to what we see in communist controlled China. So we reached out to an Ohio representative, Daniel Troy, who's a Democrat and voted against us, and he joins us now. Representative Troy, great to have you on the program. Nice to be here. Thank you. Can you tell Canadians across our country, why did your uh, Republican uh, friends across the aisle there, what is it, why did they put Canada on a religious freedom watch list? What is this? Well, I think it's all part of, uh, you know, these culture wars that are going on. I mean, uh, uh, the same day, uh, you know, we uh, we basically allowed the arming of teachers in the classroom. We uh, uh, dealt with uh, banning uh, any transgender uh, uh, athletes from performing in high school sports, et cetera. I mean, a lot of this is just, you know, as I've said, just kind of throwing red meat to the, the Republican base. So, I mean, the whole idea here is this was not of our business. Uh, you know, Canada, as I've said, uh, as I said on the floor, First of all, I said, we want to, what do we want to do, initiate, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, the War of 1812 again uh, here between right. uh, our polite neighbors to the north? Uh, you know, my district abuts Lake Erie, so I'm just 60 miles away from, uh, uh, you know, uh, your, your country. And, uh, you know, the whole idea is that, you know, we all know what the, the pandemic uh, basically required us to, uh, you know, exert a little bit of sacrifice, uh, a loss of some of our personal freedoms and all that. And, uh, you know, all it was was really, in my opinion, well-educated, well-trained health professionals that basically were trying to save lives. And, uh, you know, there's there was a pushback against that in a lot of places in the United States, especially in Ohio, that these were, you know, uh, restrictions against people's freedom. And, uh, you know, and, and it, just, it just kind of befuddled me because... Uh, you know, no one was trying to control people's minds. No one was trying to control, uh, uh, you know, uh, have a, a specific agenda to take away their freedoms. We're trying to save lives with this. And so, you know, I just said, you know, we really don't have any business, uh, especially sending a message comparing uh, a very strong ally, a loyal NATO member, uh, a, 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 a tremendous trading partner, basically saying, well, you folks are like Red China or Cuba, uh, you know, because you're not. Uh, uh, and I just don't wonder where this comes from. Some of my colleagues said, oh, we get calls from all kinds of people in Canada upset about this. And well, whatever the issue is, that's between the citizens of Canada and the Canadian government. Right. And we in Ohio. You know, we, we've got we've got other issues that really need. You to do have other issues, but I, I'm speaking to Ohio Representative Daniel Troy, a Democrat who voted against this thing. But but like, why the religious freedom watch list? What does it have to do with religion? Well, they were basically inferring that uh, you know when they had heard it up in Canada that. Uh, uh, congregations were being told, you know, they couldn't assemble. Uh, they were prohibiting, uh, uh, you know, a, a people, a certain amount of people. The same thing we went through here. I mean, you know, uh, practicing social distancing, uh, requiring uh, the wearing of protective personal equipment, such as masks and things like that. Uh, 
you know, the, these are problems. That, I mean, the people who pretty much were pushing this in the Ohio legislature, the same people who have questioned uh, the legitimacy of vaccinations. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and Representative, so you said something fascinating to me. You said the same day this resolution passed, so it was about a week ago, um, yeah. the Ohio House also approved a bill allowing school boards to arm teachers. So is that happening now? Like we've all, we followed the horrific mass shooting at Uvalde, of course. But you're saying now that teachers can carry weapons in Ohio? Well, yeah, they, they allow the school board, the individual school boards to make that decision as to whether or not they want to allow that. Now, what this bill did, because... There was one school district in Ohio that had uh, planned to do that, but the Ohio Supreme Court says, no, if you're going to arm teachers in the classroom, they have to have the same training requirements uh, as uh, law enforcement personnel. In other words, they have to be properly trained and vetted in the use of uh, you know, deadly weapons and things like that. So basically what this bill did was just kind of override that court decision and uh, reduce the training requirements to less than 24 hours of training. Uh, cool. Again, it's permissive. It's allowed by the school boards. But, I, you know, it, I just is it happening? people in this state don't feel that, uh, you know, the last thing we need in our classrooms is more guns. Yeah. Like, is it so? So now, I mean, I'm not, I just can't understand this. You're, you're lessening the training to get a teacher to carry a web. Like, what if the teacher's having a bad day? Well, that's that's always a concern. I mean, it's like mental uh, health problem. Uh, like, like you know, people yeah. always say, "Oh, it's if you know." I know Republicans think it's not a gun problem; it's a mental health problem. What if the teacher who's now armed with a gun has a mental health problem? Well, it, again, it's 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 it, you, common sense. You know, common sense gun control measures. Common sense thinking on this. I mean. the the, the overwhelming majority of the law enforcement community opposed this bill. They said, we, don't, we do not want more people armed in schools. Uh, you know, uh, and, and again, it's just uh, it's a culture that seems to have taken over that uh, facts and common sense need to be parked at the back door because right. this is what this is. This is what the right wing base wants. This is the type of stuff that uh, generates turnout. And uh, uh, and again, it's uh, you know I've I've been I've been in, in government for almost fifty years. I was a city councilman. I was a state legislator before, and then I was a county commissioner. Now I'm a state legislator again. And you know I've always felt that you know you make decisions based on compromise, common sense, uh, you know, sound reasoning, and all that. And uh, uh, gee, and so many issues these days that that seems to have just gone out the window. And then, you know, I was just kind of, you know, just kind of fell back in my chair when I said, now we're going to pick on Canada yeah. uh, and tell them, uh, you know, how, how they should, uh, you know, uh, you know, run their particular country or whatever. Uh, I mean, as, as I tried to argue, I said, this is not, this is Canada's not a country that's known for infringing about people's freedoms. Uh, we've had that debate times. here. Like, we've yeah, had it. Very, We're having it all the time. But it ain't Azerbaijan, I'll tell you that. No, and it's, and it's a, you know, and it's a, it's a diverse population. I, I found the country to be extremely tolerant, uh, you know, of people's rights and freedoms and all of that. And, uh, Oh, since this hit the uh, Toronto paper, I mean, I've had uh, I've had a few calls, uh, a couple calls from out in Alberta, which I assume is probably the more conservative area of your nation and all that, uh, just telling me that no, uh, you know, Trudeau is just as 
dad is, uh, you know, uh, you know Miles say tongue in terms of how he runs the country and takes away our freedoms and all that. So, I mean, all it takes is, you know, one one look at a certain TV channel, a certain talking head, or one uh, one click on the internet and all that. And there you, know, you go. Or some of these strange beliefs. Well, I can tell you, man, let's do one thing. Let's not have the War of 1812 all over again. Ohio Representative Daniel Troy. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and folks, uh, these are our brothers and sisters uh, in the United States. What are we doing here? Uh, if we can't get along, what the hell's going on in this world? Uh, thank you, sir, and thanks for your some, some level-headed uh, humanity there. I appreciate yes, and, it. And, 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 and I love you folks in Canada. And I, I, I tell you, I love to listen, listen to Elizabeth A.M. 740 every once in a while when it comes in and catch up on the Canadian news. And what's Come on on any time. We love that. We want to do some cross-border trade, some cross-border travel, and we want to check out Ohio. We love your sports down there. All right, yeah. my friend, All thank right. you. Thank you. Coming up next, I love that, the Top Gun test. Seeing the new Top Gun and your loved one. Mm, I'll admit something next. Where accountability is key. This is Evan Solomon on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. We got some breaking news right now. Mandates are lifted, not only for travelers, but also for uh, public servants working for the government. If you were on leave without pay, you are administrative leave, you're back. Uh, here's Mona Forche that, uh, on that. That's big news. State. Employees of the Corps de Vaccination pour les Fonctionnaires à compter du 20 juin 2022. As of that date, employees of the Corps Public Administration, including the RCMP, will no longer be required to be vaccinated against COVID-19 as a condition of employment. Employees who are on administrative leave without pay as a result of the vaccination policy will be contacted by their managers to resume regular duties with pay, and the bargaining agents have been informed. Okay, so that's big news. Um, why today and not other days? They're being grilled right now. Minister Algabra, Minister Duclos, uh, Mona Forte, who just heard, they're all being grilled on that. They say the mandates did what they're supposed to do, and they're rolling them back. So that's good. This is a big, big day. Market. June 14th, the mandates are lifted. It's over. They say they're guided by science. We'd still like to know the transparency. But let's end the show without all this division. And I'm going to bring on Colton Prale, who's been producing today. Why? Because Samantha Pope is finally graduating because she couldn't graduate from Carleton, where she's top of the class. She's getting the medal uh, during the pandemic. So she's doing it in person. Congrats, Sam. Enjoy it. She's brilliant. So we've had to slum it and bring on Colton. Just kidding. Colton's also brilliant. How you doing, bud? I'm fantastic. I think it is a downgrade by far. I don't Sam's think it's a downgrade. Wonderful. I mean, you people see you all over the news. You're a reporter. You're a host. Uh, listen, um, I don't want to say this because Samantha's gone, but watch it. Sam. No. <laughs> uh, so Colton and I are chatting this morning, and I asked Colton if he's seen Top Gun. Now, what he's going to say, yeah, if he's in the danger. I saw it 36 years ago. I loved Top Gun. And just last week, I insisted that my son and I watch it together because my wife was away. She's traveling to Halifax. So we set up dinner. We watched a hockey game. And then we watched Top Gun until 1.30 in the morning. I've seen it like 10 times. I loved it. 
And, and I asked Colton, have you seen Top Gun? Absolutely, yeah. My dad and I watched it all the time when we were a kid. It was one of those classic, you know, rainy day watching a movie with dad films. It with was just dangers. perfect. Now, now, did you and did you like it, or was it a little cheese when they were going through the day? Actually, my son said the whole time, "Why do they keep playing the same song?" It was like the dangers <laughs> are like nine. I was like, "That is an excellent point." I liked it a lot. It, it's cheesy, and it's definitely it's in that category of movies that I associate with my dad as like his corny movies. Like Independence Day is right up there too. But I love them. I secretly love them. Yeah, I, I my my movie with my dad that I associate with Raiders of the Lost Ark, and and say I love it. It's our kind of mm-hmm. family classic. So so now the new thirty six years later, Tom Cruise comes out with Maverick. I have not seen it. I am going to see it with a bunch of the guys on uh, my buddies on Father's Day. Okay, and 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 here's the thing. I really want to see this movie. I'm dying to see it. I have friends at my high school reunion who told me I saw it and I was weeping. I'm like, what is happening to us? But this is the Top Gun test. My wife says to me, my beautiful wife, she's so great. She's like, oh, Ev, if you really want to see it, I'll go with you. And I had to look at her, very sweet. And I said, no, no, honey, you don't pass the Top Gun test. What? There is a time, which is, I know she wants to see it because I want to see it, but she doesn't want to see Top Gun. She doesn't have the same fidelity to Top Gun that I've got. I was on an aircraft carrier during the Afghan war, the USS Harry S. Truman, literally living the Top Gun. I was doing a documentary on these guys. I love this movie. I want to see Top Gun with people that I can high five with, maybe even cry with. I am going to love this movie. I would see it with my son. I would see it only with my friends, but... I love watching movies with my wife. I watched, you know, the last dance documentary, Michael Jordan with her. This is not, I I hate saying this, but she does not pass the Top Gun test for me. This is not a movie she will like, and I want to love it. And I don't know, I just want to ask people, because this is not something you admit to your loved one that, you you know, but there is certain movies that you only want to see with certain people. I had to watch the Beatles documentary alone. Because I couldn't see it with my wife. She said, do you want to watch it? I said, I need it alone. I'm too into this. one 833 or 7-10-10. Do you have a movie that you cannot take your loved one or your partner with? I call it the Top Gun test. You just have to go with a certain group of people. Your parent, your dad, or your mom, or your spouse, or your friends. Colton, like if your mom said to you, I know you can't see the new Maverick with your dad. I'd like to go with you to Top Gun because I know you really want to see the new Maverick. Would you go with your mom? No, no. I, w- I would call my sister. I'd call one of my friends. I love her, but but you're right. You want, It's one of those movies that you want to watch and you want to get excited about. And when the movie is done, you want the person you saw it with yes. to be just as excited. They need to know just as much. They need to understand all the little tidbits. And if they are only going because they just want you to be happy, who am I going to talk to? And and that's the thing. Half the battle for anything, for sports or movies, is the post-mortem. I like seeing a movie, then I like saying it, and I want to say to her, I can't believe this happened to Goose's son. Or I want to talk about what happened 36 years ago and how they... And she'd be like, "I I don't know what you're talking about. And it's like... These references matter. I want the post-movie experience to be as good as the movie experience. That's what I'm paying for here. And that's the Top Gun test. And, and, and I'm sorry. Like someone just said to me, movies that you say, you know, my wife has failed the Top Gun test. Someone says, the, the Top Gun test is, is, is important. What other movies would you not see? one 855 
888-933-1010 or 71010. Tell me who fails your Top Gun test or what is your other movie? Maybe it's not Top Gun. Maybe you have another test for a movie like, I don't know. There are romantic movies that my wife likes that she's like, you know, I don't, I know you won't like this. And she just doesn't want to see it with me. I like action movies. What, do you have another movie, Colton, that you would... Oh, yeah. What? Star Wars. Star Wars by far. Every, every one of the new trilogies I went to see. And my, my fiance, she's wonderful. I love her. She's never seen a single Star Wars movie. Oh. And every time I try to explain to her what it oh. is, she just, why are they doing that? Why why don't oh. they do this? And I'm like, so don't... So it's not fun. Wait, you're marrying a woman. You love Star Wars. You just have to tell her now oh. we're not seeing any Star Wars together. It's brutal. Every time I watch <laughs> the new Disney shows, she manages to come in in like the last five minutes of a show and be like, so what's happening? And I have to pause it and look at her with just... So much love and say, don't talk to me right now. Don't talk to me right now, please. <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> I need We this. can discuss. And, but, and, and it's true in the pandemic, you're watching movies alone, so there's this new thing. But, but don't you love watching a movie and then with your buddies, even if it's a crappy movie, you talk about it. Absolutely. It's that debrief. It's, it's the group text. It's the debrief over drinks after the movie, going through every little detail, what they missed, what they, what they got so right. I mean, for this one, like Miles Telfer looks exactly the way I pictured this kid oh, to look. So, so and good. she's not going to get that. I need to go with somebody who gets that. Right, and here's the thing. Like, I got a hedge. So I have a friend who travels a lot, and he's in our sort of running group. And he literally said two weeks ago, he said, guys, I'm traveling. You cannot see Maverick without me. No one can. Wait two weeks. So we have been waiting weeks to see it because we get it. He wants to, he, his wife doesn't pass the Top Gun test. I know her. She's brilliant. She's lovely. She doesn't pass the Top Gun test. <laughs> I hate to say this. It sounds like we're jerks. But yep. I just want one little thing. Textboard okay, so agrees. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, we got to go. I'm seeing it Sunday. When are you seeing Maverick? Can, can for, you say? I, as long as my dad's not listening, Friday. Father's don't, Day don't for him. Don't say anything for, for, for Colton. Okay, thank Colton. Thanks for today. Anytime. Thank everyone for listening.